Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm your host, uh, Henry Chisholm, and uh, I'm excited for today's show. I'm really excited. Uh, obviously, was in Boulder this morning. Uh, got to talk to some people about the name image likeness thing that the NCAA changed yesterday. Starting to have some takes, and we're going to dig into those here pretty quick. And then uh, we're going to talk about UCLA because I finally had a chance to sit down, watch a couple of their games, read what everybody's saying about them, and not going to lie, from a Buffs perspective, pretty disappointed in what I found out. Um, so yeah, first, uh, first I want to tell you more about Drift Car Sharing though, and if you don't know, here's how it works. Basically, when you fly somewhere... You drop your car off at their lot at their at the airport and they'll like shuttle you in the last like five to ten minutes. You get to park there for free. They'll pay you to park there if they can rent your car out. It's a great deal. Um, it, can, it can be a swing of like 50 bucks a day if you play your cards right. Plus, they'll clean your car for you. Uh, they insure it, obviously, so nothing bad happens to it. And uh, you can also rent cars when you get to wherever you're flying. Um, the, the, there's no under 25 fee to rent a car, which means that if you're like me, you can save another 25 bucks a day there. So if you're like parking your car at the airport and renting a car and you're under 25, then right there, it's, it's like a $75 a day difference. And that's before you factor in that their prices are actually, uh, better than what you can get at a rental car agency. So check them out, go to drivedrift.com, um, and tell them that we sent you too. Okay. Um, Let's start with the NCAA decision um, because that really is big news. Um, and I think that the important place to start is that nobody really knows what's going to happen in any way. Um, what exactly the, the rules will look like, whether there's caps on how much players can make, um, any of that kind of stuff, that still hasn't been figured out. And... There's also the question of what does, what is the impact of any of those rules? Does does it really benefit the big schools? Um, could it benefit football players? Does it benefit small sport players? You know the nonprofit generating sports, and the answer to all that is, I don't know. Nobody knows. But my best guess would be that any impact on the actual competitions will be pretty minimal i think that whether you think that's going to help whether it's going to hurt any of that i'd just be willing to guess that uh it's going to make half the impact that anybody expects it to and i think that that's where i want to start but uh 
today in Boulder, uh, I talked to two people. I talked to Darren Cheverini, the assistant head coach slash uh, wide receivers coach slash just re- recruiting god. Um, he was ranked like one of the 25 best recruiters in the country last year. And it makes sense when you look at the talent he has at receiver. Uh, talk to him about it. Also talked to one of his receivers, Katie Nixon, about it. And both had some interesting things to say. Um, a, a lot of interesting things to say because they come from two different perspectives. I think talking to Darren is definitely interesting because, you know, he, he has the student athlete perspective, you know, it was 20 years ago that he was in exactly Katie Nixon shoes, maybe like a little bit bigger shoes, but not a lot bigger. Um, and, and to hear his thoughts, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. And basically his thoughts were, it's, it's probably a good thing that they can now get what they deserve we, we talked mostly about the video game oh and by the way i should plug this now before i forget i just wrote 1300 words about this uh, specifically focusing on the video game aspect so if you haven't subscribed or you haven't bought a membership to the dnvr.com then you should do that because uh i think i'm a good writer and also you get to comment and all that kind of stuff but uh yeah 1,300 words about the video game, about Katie Nixon, about Katie Nixon's thoughts on not having the rule now, how it's affected him, uh, Shiverini. You know, this the story starts with Chev talking about back when he was a player, um, when, when they had the, what was it called? I just wrote this. I should still know. Uh, like the EA Sports, the first game, it was a break. It's, it's like breakaway, break... Break something. It, it was whatever the EA Sports game, college football game was in the late 90s. And he said, you know, back back in the day, we used to all go buy the game the day it came out. And we come back and turn it on and see who had the gold number underneath their player. Because that's how they used to designate it was the, the guys with the gold numbers were like the good players. And it was something they really cared about. And Chev didn't actually get his until his senior year uh, at CU. And he said it was a big deal to him and everybody was excited. Like it's, it's just crazy to think about how that has kind of transitioned over the years that that's where video games were at the time. Whereas now, you know, Madden comes out and we know three months in advance what every rookie is rated. And it's this big deal on social media and all that kind of stuff. Whereas back in the day they had to go buy the game, go, Put it in their PlayStation and see who had the gold numbers. I don't know. It was it was cool hearing about that. But he he definitely was in support of um, the the change. We should probably break down the change. So so yesterday, uh, the an, an NCAA committee voted in favor of um, of getting rid or and not even getting rid of the NIL rule. The the name image likeness policy that says that essentially student athletes can't profit off their name, image, and likeness. Um, Voted unanimously to change that uh, for January 2021, but we don't know exactly what they'll do. There's definitely some language in there that makes you think that the changes won't be as broad as a lot of people would expect or are hoping for. Um, You know, it kind of looks like the the NCAA did a good thing here. They definitely did the right thing. Voted unanimously. Worth noting that Rick George has, was on that committee. He's been in favor of changing this for quite a while now. Um, Chev shouted him out for the work that he's done to make this happen. Um, and so that's good news. And we'll dig deeper into that aspect of it later on. But 
it it this is good press for the NCAA being able to say we are making a change um, on the heels of California's decision that they were going to make it illegal to ban players from doing this. Um, you know that's a that that was a lot easier than uh, fighting it for two years, three years, four years until that policy actually goes into effect uh, and, and then trying to save face and trying to put pieces back together by saying we're going to do something that fits in with this at the very last second. So it's it's a good decision and they're getting deservedly some positive media attention because of it. But you have to remember that there are caveats in there. And, and you know, they said that they want to be consistent with the um, collegiate model that they want to retain amateur status for these athletes. And we just don't know what that means, whether they're capping earnings, whether there are only certain ways they can earn. And it's going to be kind of a mess. And I just want to say before we really do hype, like jump all the way on this hype train, like, thank you, NCAA, you're doing the right thing. But before we get full board into that, we should probably know that it could be absolutely nothing and they could be getting some free good press because it's an issue that they haven't always been on this side of um, famously. So want to throw that out there too. That's another one of my big thoughts is don't give them all the credit quite yet. Um, here's kind of how I see this playing out though. Um, how many guys on CU's roster are actually going to benefit from this? Let's just talk football first. Um, so, so the big deal, assuming that they just get rid of that rule, they're able to now um, make make money off of their name, image, and likeness. You know, there was a, I think it was a track athlete, a runner who had a YouTube channel a few years ago who uh, got kicked out of the NCAA, uh, was said that they were no longer an amateur because he... Uh, he turned on ads on his YouTube videos. So he was making a little bit of money off of that. And that was bad. You know, right now, if, if LaVisca Chenault said, Hey, in the off season, I want to coach a uh, youth football team. He'd be told like, yeah, that's cool, but you're not allowed to take money fr from it because it's using your skills as a football player to make money. Um, if, if somebody wanted to have him work a football camp, um, you know, he was an extra set of hands that who knows, Tom Brady says, I need some receivers to come work out with me. Um, I'll, I'll buy you a dinner. He'd have to turn down that dinner. Uh, and so it's like this kind of stuff where they really take it too far. And I think that pretty unanimously people think that that type of thing is just totally wrong. The question is, where do you draw the line? Should LaVisca be able to sign a five million dollar a year shoe deal with nike i don't know i mean and that really comes into question with oregon because obviously phil knight the founder of nike is a huge oregon booster would he be willing to say you know every player who comes through here i'll just give him a million dollars i'll just give him a million dollars and they'll all get all as much nike stuff as they want and i'm doing this to promote my company but also doesn't hurt that it's helping my ducks either. And then all of a sudden they start scoring recruits because recruits know that they're getting this. And obviously it's not going to be a million dollars, but you know, that's, that's where things kind of get dangerous. And that's why people have been scared of changing this rule in the past. And that's valid. It's definitely valid. And if you want to say that that's a good enough reason to just ban all of it, that's like, I, I see where you're coming from. 
it is worth pointing out that because of the way that this has been for so long, it's easy to lose track of the fact that, um, you know, student athletes are, are the losers in this whole situation when you're figuring out, you know, so, you know, the schools make all the money from the TV deals. Um, and whatever else comes along with that. They make the money when they sell the merchandise. Even if they sell a number two jersey, not allowed to put LaVisca Chenault's name on it, they still get to sell that jersey, keep all the money, and LaVisca sees none of that. Um, You know, uh, every every deal, the deal with Nike that Colorado has, that's all money for for CU that that Nike gets to put their logo on, all that kind of stuff. They get paid for that. Um, That money does not go to the players uh they can give as much free stuff as they want to to mel tucker but they can't give anything for free to the players and there are some other rules you know like there's a there's like a cap to that which is like you the the school can give this many shirts to the player but from directly from nike saying like hey can you just wear this directly from dnvr saying we have this cool new buff shirt we have this uh nebraska 6236 shirt um We'd love to give you one, just wear around totally against the rules. Um, and, you know, th- there's just no way that players can make any money off of what's going on because of them. And and that's that's the part that you can't forget is that just because this is the way it is now doesn't mean that this is the way that it should be. Because right now, just every negative part of this whole system is being inflicted upon the student athletes and it's just been that way for so long that people don't even recognize that anymore because it's just what it used to be and obviously like there is some benefit how i still can never keep track it's like 83 players i think can have scholarships um given to them by the athletics department and obviously that's huge it's like fifty thousand dollars a year to go to cu if you're an out-of-state student very valuable also, you're being told where that money goes. It's not like that should be counted as income because it's just forced to go into there. And then you get into the stipend. So so now they changed it so that uh, this was a few years ago so that the school could provide three meals a day to players um, instead of just the one meal a day. And back then, you know, Tad Boyle was saying during media day, when I first started coaching here, I could bring all of my student athletes bagels but I could not bring them cream cheese or peanut butter or anything with the bagels because that, in the NCAA's eyes, turned it into a meal. Um, and they're, they're all the horror stories that come out, especially a couple of years ago, there was a big push. I can't remember who exactly all of them were, but some big name guys were saying, you know, I, I couldn't afford to eat in college. I, I just could not do it. Like I was not eating enough to keep up. And that's obviously a very extreme scenario. Most aren't in that situation but then you look at like the 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 rent stipend uh players get however much money a month to spend on rent and it's just kind of given to them but uh there's no cost of living adjustment so if you live in boulder you're getting the same amount of money as somebody who's living in whatever tiny town in i don't know kentucky where i assume that rent is about a a third the cost and and so things are a little bit tighter for student athletes here than it is for student athletes in other places. Um, when you get past all of the, they get tuition and fees and whatever paid for and, and get into, 
here's how much money they have to live on. That's where things get ugly. And 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 KD today was telling me about it. He he was actually very very hesitant to say um, what exactly like like he said uh, the the question was would you have been willing to be in this video game for free? Um, because that was what kind of got banned that some players thought they should be paid um, and whatever. But I asked him and he said, you know, I, I used to, I would have for sure when I was younger, uh, no doubt. But that was before I saw what this lifestyle actually is. And now if somebody says like, I should have money for this, he, he says, you know, who am I to say that that's a bad thing? Um, I'm trying to pull up this actual quote here, and that's why this has been kind of okay. There we go. Here it is. Um, he said, uh, "Y'all don't understand what we go through. Y'all just see the goodness. Y'all don't see the bad parts. I think they should have got paid, and if they didn't get paid, cut the game off. They're putting their life on the line, and you're making money off of them." Um, and I asked him, "What are the the bad parts?" And that's what he was hesitant. He said, "Like, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about that. You know, that's." that's the stuff that you guys just don't see. And I said, okay, you're sharing. He's like, well, they can make money off of everything we do, but we can't make money off of it. And then he kind of got into stuff for there. I'll save the rest for subscribers. But he, he, he was upset. He didn't like it. And that's reasonable because I'm basically, he's been told you're not allowed to sell your autograph because if you sell your autograph, and that's you making money. But all of a sudden, you sign a ball for the team to give away. Sure, that's fine. They can make money off it. And, and it's those little things that aren't even related to football, that aren't even related to being paid by the school that he's not allowed to do because obviously there is worth there. There is value there. Um, he's not allowed to go eat at whatever wing spot for free and do that in exchange for posting about it on social media. And it's just those little things that could make their lives so much easier that aren't allowed you know I, I included this little clip in the story too you know 2013 2014 20, I think it was 2014 uh Todd Gurley when he was back at Georgia uh he I guess signed autographs and the guy who he was paying him to sign autographs that the guy could sell um told on him I I don't know the exact circumstances why he would do this it seems like a good gig and said you know I've given him three thousand dollars for this over the last two years and the NCAA suspended Todd Gurley, said, nope, you're out for four games, and also said you got to pay back the money uh, to charity. You have not all of it, but it was something, it was most of it. You have to find a way to get this money back that you've probably been using to live and give that to charity, and also 40 hours of community service. And so, you know, it's like that, just isn't fair because they're worth it and and you know where it always goes is then why do you sign up why do you sign up to play college football then if you know that these are the rules and it's because you don't have any other option you can't go straight to the nfl and most guys couldn't anyway um there's there's no alternate to playing ncaa football they have the monopoly they have all the power and if these are your skills then those are your skills like what else is he supposed to do and not go to college and and then all of a sudden say like hey i could still get a job landscaping or something you're not allowing somebody to profit off of the skills that they have spent their entire lifetime developing and you've just set this arbitrary limit right there and said that's it that's what you're worth you're worth a scholarship you're worth keeping alive on top of that scholarship and that's it um 
there's no way to, to there's no other league it's not like baseball where you go play in the minor leagues if you want to uh, i don't know it's just the only option and it's obvious that these student athletes are worth much more than they're getting but uh they can't they can't see any of that money because of the rules that are in place and the monopoly that the NCAA really has on college football. Um, where else do you go from here? Uh, the other sports. There, there are other sports, obviously, than just football. Football being the one where student-athletes are typically worth more than uh, they're given with the scholarship, with the shoes, with the hoodies, whatever they get. Um, and then that's where things get weird because all of a sudden if you're – you say schools can pay, then, you know, they're the rules. You have to have as many scholarships for women as you do men, all this Title IX stuff that you dig into. And if, if you're paying whatever, $50,000 a year to LaVisca Chenault, God give 50000 to women's athletes too. How many of, of these people are actually worth paying? You get into all those questions. And that's why it's a lot easier to avoid these Title IX issues by saying, you know what, this is the way it's always been. You guys are student-athletes. We can give you a scholarship, but we really shouldn't be banning you from making money from doing things related to that. You know, if if you're one of the... I mean, LaVisca Chenault is probably the only guy who can get national deals for CU, but maybe, uh, maybe Brady Russell can pick up a couple bucks. Is he... Let's see, I'm trying to think. Cherry Creek, maybe? He he can go back to that camp, work it, at least get a couple free meals out of it. Is he? Where did he go to school? I'll I'll look it up later. Um, but yeah, like that kind of stuff. Uh, that's it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating. Um, KD, who knows? He's one of those borderline guys. He he has the personality to be marketable for sure. Uh, could he get it something with a car de- car dealership? Who knows? And that's why we don't know how everything will f- get figured out. But definitely worth noting that by doing it this way, it becomes like an outside business for, for these guys. And uh, you don't have to worry about, well, can women's athletes, can non-men's basketball, men's football athletes benefit from this? You don't have to worry about that. Um yeah, so so a lot of the money is probably going to come from people who are donating to the programs now. That's one of the concerns. Somebody who's donating to the athletics department might say, hey, I'll, I'll just do this, keep LaVisca around. It'll be a good story. Top recruits might want to come here because they hear about it. Um, and, and that's a concern for uh, the schools, the athletics departments. And we don't know how this could be set up. Like, it, There's a very good chance that what they say is, you're allowed to take $50,000. That's that's your max. That's going to be more than enough. You're getting close to what you deserve. Like we think that that's fair. It will also keep things competitive. And uh there's no union for NCAA football players, so they just get to go by whatever the NCAA decides. There're no negotiations in any of this. Um it's just straight up the NCAA picks the rules. That's the other reason that they have like they have the monopoly power and also it's it's even they get even more power on top of it. it's almost a multiplier in that if if you're whatever i guess <laughs> the u.s bans monopolies and so they aren't thinking of it. but if you think there's one i don't know one beef supplier 
and they just make all of the beef and they're so big and their prices are so low that nobody else can get into the beef market then if if employees aren't happy then either they can go get other jobs and they'll drive up wages or they can collectively bargain and say hey this isn't good enough we're all going to stop right now if you guys don't pay us more there's that threat there and uh college football players just don't have that because they can't be organized um this is going on too long but but there are a couple other points that i really wanted to hit um so the the money is going to go to where the nca decides they decide fifty thousand dollars the cap they could also decide half of what you make on your own is to be given to your school's athletics department there there are a whole bunch of ways we just don't know how this is all going to work out but that is one of the concerns i know it's one of the concerns in boulder it's one of the concerns for most schools is do we still get this funding that we really need to survive um i will tell you that most of the people i've talked to um in boulder in the athletics department have have been very happy about this decision they think it's the right thing they know that it could cause problems in boulder and other places at some of these schools but we don't know uh, there's this thought that schools like usc notre dame the the big booster base is going or they're going to get more of the recruits uh want to start with saying that about i think it's about half of the top 100 recruits something like that ended up in five different schools this year uh there's already like a super top heavy recruiting aspect to all of this uh to to be more explicit in the concerns it's that you know there'll be an understanding that this alum who has a bunch of money and also a car dealership will say hey we'll give you this much money to do whatever it takes or that we need you to do you know come be in this ad and and the concern stems from the fact that to the car dealership having your face on whatever ad is is worth whatever ten thousand dollars but since he's a booster and he's equally interested in uh, making the the usc football team even stronger uh, as he is with keeping his business strong he'll give you more than that ten thousand he'll give you twenty thousand thirty thousand whatever it may be to make sure that the the student athletes at usc are happy they're less likely to transfer recruits are going to see here's how these guys are treated and they'll be more likely to go there here's what i can tell you first of all a lot of this stuff kind of already happens under the table um and it's not like this will be a huge drastic change it'll just hopefully be out in the daylight instead of behind the scenes uh second of all it's all already very top heavy the the big schools are already getting so many of the recruits it's tough to see them turning too much more that way. There isn't much more room for it. Also, for a school like CU that pulls in maybe one four-star recruit a year, um, compared to the, whatever, 15 five-stars, maybe not 15, 15 four- and five-stars that USC pulls in uh, in a given year, it might actually make Colorado more competitive for the top guys. Like, LaVisca Chenault is getting any ad he wants here. He is everybody's first choice. LaVisca Chenault on USC, I mean, he might not be the most popular receiver. He's better than Michael Pittman, but Michael Pittman's close. And they have other, like, Amon Ross St. Brown. He has a name. Um, and I don't mean that he has that crazy name. He also has, like, the family name. People know who he is. Uh, 
Tyler Vaughns, and those are just the receivers. There are plenty of other marketable guys on that team. Some of these top guys might see Boulder as a as a pretty empty market and want to come in here and be the guy. And that's already a thing in recruiting, you know. Ashad Clayton could go fight for LSU carries, or he could more than likely be the guy here in a year or two. Uh, that, that running back we've been following from Louisiana. No update there, by the way. But uh, he... He, he may also say, you know what, not am I not only am I like guaranteed the playing time, I'll probably be a star. I'll probably get out there and people will love me and give me money that they might have given to twenty guys before me at at whatever other school. So I don't necessarily think that it's all that bad for CU. Uh, there are definitely a lot of different takes. And the, the the answer is nobody knows. And there is definitely a lot of reasons to think Notre Dame with that massive alumni base with all that money is just going to be able to pay all hundred guys something on the roster. Like somebody is going to be taking care of everybody. Um, who knows? Who knows is the answer to literally all of this. But those are some of my early takes. I think it's a really good thing. I think that it's tough to pay players. It's tough for the schools to pay players um, for a whole bunch of reasons from Title Nine to where does the money come from? What are they worth? Uh, you know, it, it just opens a whole can of worms. Whereas saying, we just don't ban you from doing your own business on the side. F- from saying, hey, I know football. Let me come coach this youth team. Let me help out at my high school after whatever. Let me do what whatever spring football. Work for Matt McChesney. Uh, training guys out at 6-0 strength in the offseason. You know, just those opportunities alone are huge, and and there will there will be opportunities for some of these guys, um, quite a few I think, specifically doing that kind of stuff. Maybe more than just putting their face on things, selling autographs. They should be allowed to do that. Then all of a sudden, you can start putting names on jerseys too that that you're selling. You could buy a Lavisca Chenault jersey instead of a generic Buffs number two jersey, and Lavisca probably gets a cut of that. It's it it just makes sense. Um, and I don't think the impacts are going to be as big as people expect, whether you think that's going to be positive for a school like CU, whether it's going to be negative. We don't know. I, I don't think that it's going to be as big a deal as we expect, especially because there's a good chance the NCAA doesn't just say, hey, free market, go do your thing, because that would be like the first time the NCAA has ever said anything like that. Um, but we'll figure it out. Rick George, I would expect to be very involved in all of the meetings over the next, what, 14 months before whatever rules change go into effect. He He's going to be a big part of all of that, which is good news because obviously he's thinking about what CU, CU's best interests are. And it's good to have those voices um, in all of those conversations. You might find a loophole too. So loopholes are cool. We like loopholes. Um Okay. Well, oh boy, that was 30 minutes. Um, 30 minutes of that talk. We'll move along through the other stuff a little bit more quickly today. Definitely want to talk some UCLA. I think we're going to dig into that pretty heavy on Friday. Um, Tomorrow is Thursday. I've got a big day. Uh, I'm going on some UCLA podcast. I should probably look up the name. I'll plug that now. I'll definitely plug that now. So I'm doing that, doing the draft pod with Andre Simone, that's such a fun podcast. I'm really excited for that. I hope you guys are enjoying that too. Um, also, we have uh, uh, Ben Girding 
BSN Buffs intern coming on tomorrow. The this has all been a mess. He's going to be talking some basketball. He's working on a basketball season preview for you guys. He's going to start doing some more stuff. Very excited about that. Very excited for you guys to get to know him. Um, you oh that UCLA podcast. It's like the the believe B L E A V um podcast for UCLA. I'm trying to. That's not a real name. That can't. Be. I'll post a link on Twitter and tell you about it. If you need more talk, um, be UCLA. It'll be uh, Buffs. And I'm going to learn some things from them. Yeah, Believe in LA Football is what it's called. So, yeah, busy day tomorrow. We're going to get into UCLA a lot on Friday after I get to talk to those guys, hear what they have to say. And I want to tell you guys about UCLA today because I have some takes. I've finally been able to watch those games. Um also want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Just love them. Um, you know all of the things that I love about them. Uh, going to the Avs game tonight, um, that means it's definitely a pregame situation. That's how hockey works. And so I stopped by Total Bev today. Oh, we'll, we'll push these two reads together. Total Bev, uh, save 30% by uh, using the code DNVR2019. It's a steal. Um, I got a whole bunch of the Holidale, which I'm really excited to try. They like age the beer Breckenridge does in whiskey barrels. And we got to see them do this uh, when, when we visited them and their facilities this summer. And it makes great beer, I've heard. I was thinking about cracking one before this podcast, but me being just a tiny bit buzzed and talking about the NIL seemed seemed like a recipe for disaster to be honest so we dodged that definitely gonna have some of those tonight i bought a whole bunch for me and all my friends who are going to the game um also bought some rumple mints at total bev because they have everything and i was in a christmasy mood so use use total bev to buy breckenridge beers i'll be back tomorrow telling you about how good this holiday is it's like over 10 percent alcohol in a beer because of the way the whiskey works, but people say you can't even taste it. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Uh, 30% off your order from Total Bev. If you spend $25 or more with the code DNVR2019, um, there you go. Breckenridge Brewery. Try their beers. Try the Holiday Ale. There's like a Christmas ale too. I'm going to try that next time, but I wasn't ready for something that said Christmas because it's still October. I was just ready for the holidays. So I got the Holiday Ale with Halloween and then Thanksgiving and then we'll transition from uh, first from summer sky to this stuff and then this stuff to the Christmas ale and you guys are going to get to hear all about it and I'm excited for you okay uh what was I going to talk about oh UCLA UCLA uh turns out a good football team which is disappointing if the Buffs had played them in the first two three weeks of the season it would have been 50-0 uh not the case anymore now this is one of the best teams in the Pac-12 it's weird that I'm saying that um I don't it's a hot take for sure, but they can beat anybody. Uh, having watched them after, you know, I'd seen the scores, I'd seen the stats, I'd heard about them. It's like, yeah, okay, good. They're, they're kind of like starting to turn things around. Watching how they beat Arizona State, whew, you know, I saw 42-32 and was like, okay, 10-point win, that's pretty good against a ranked opponent. Uh, 42-10 at the end of the third quarter, though, and then you have like your backups in. That's something else. That is uh, really, really something else. Um, let's dig into how they do that. And it's been a couple weeks now that they've really turned things around. First against Stanford, 
um, and, and they really have a classic approach to the game of football, um, which I love. And I know that I love all sorts of different football schemes. There really isn't much I don't like. I don't like watching what the Broncos do. I can tell you that right now. We don't have to go there, though. Um, yeah, they, they want to run the ball. They want to dominate time of possession. They had... I don't want to lie with these numbers because they're already absurd, but they dominated possession against Arizona State in a way that you just rarely see in football. But it's that combination of how they run the ball with how they defend. And so they ended up winning possession 38-30 to 21-30. That's a 17-minute difference. Um they ran the ball 57 times. So, so think back to Washington State. Think back to how crazy it was thinking like, oh, they've been averaging 50 passing attempts a week coming into this matchup. Um, but then throw seven on top of that, flip everything to a run, which chews up the clock faster if you, you understand how football works. Uh, and it's really impressive. They still threw the ball 23 times, but this is a running offense. They have a young offensive line. It's clicking. They do some fun stuff with it. Um, we're starting to leave this talk of the scheme, but I like what they do. You know, all, all football is really built on misdirection, built on having, you know, e- even the least misdirection-oriented offenses are reading something. They're they're seeing somebody go this way, and so they're going that way. And the triple option makes it very clear how you're doing that. You know, the air raid makes it very clear how you're manipulating these defenses, making defenders make choices, and then finding the guy who's open. That's how football works. And the way that UCLA does it is in a very physical way. You know, they, they'll pull blockers, do all that kind of stuff. You know, one of their favorite things to do is have the tight end block uh, for a second, a second and a half on a passing play, and then 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 release the block, go downfield wide open because nobody's thinking about him as a receiving threat. It's those little misdirections. You know, watching that kind of stuff, it reminds me of back when I was playing lacrosse in high school. And, you know, if you were a listener to this podcast, you know I'm not big or strong or fast. But what I did have is that I just had, like, a general sense of how the game works. You know, so many defenders would think, oh, I need to stop you from going where you're trying to go. That's not the case. You're trying to stop them from getting to the goal. And as soon as you start trying to stop me from like running around the outside, all of a sudden that angle to get the goal gets a little bit bigger. And it's just those little concepts. And that's the same thing that that pulling the tight end thing, putting him out in coverage late, delaying his route. And that's what that does. It, it makes the It makes the defense think, oh, he's blocking. So I need to beat this block and get into the backfield. And so we let you beat the block. And then he's standing there wide open with nobody around him. It's those little things that a Chip Kelly offense is is, is really good at. And they kind of have that classic Chip Kelly running game going with uh, Joshua Kelly. Not related. Uh, they're both pretty thick guys, but not related. Uh, Joshua Kelly is one of my favorite kinds of running back. You know, it's I really like football. And I throw around how much I like all these different things. Joshua Kelly, though, is actually my favorite kind of running back. The way that he is, he's a little bowling ball. It's like watching C.J. Anderson. You know, C.J. Anderson in that playoff run last year with uh, St. Louis when Todd Gurley's, 
either sucking or hurt depending on the day. Um, CJ Anderson just like bouncing off of guys. You just can't bring him down. He runs so low. He's so thick. But he also has some bursts that gets forgotten because you see the pictures of him and the way that his belly looks in the shirt. And Joshua Kelly, obviously younger guy, in better shape. He's like that, except it's all muscle. There isn't any jiggle in any of that. Uh, and that's the same thing that he does. You know, I'm not sure how tall he is. He's probably like 5'9". Um, but but when he runs, he runs like he's 5'4". He gets so low. He lowers his head the the game against Arizona State started with first of all UCLA forcing a fumble that defense putting the offense in a good situation punching the ball out from Eno Benjamin the Arizona State running back uh who had a horrible day we'll get into the defense later though um giving the ball to the offense and then uh, they set up the touchdown with Joshua Kelly uh, it was probably a 30 something yard run uh, just running to the edge of the defense gets down low, hits a guy, looks like the play is over, bounces off him, and just runs down the sideline. Steps out of bounds at like the five or six, but it was one of those where he like keeps running in the end zone because he thought he made it, but everybody's like, eh, no, you really weren't that close. But but that's the point. That's the type of runner he is. He's just so physical. And the team has really taken on that identity. It's tough to build a team around a running game when you don't have the defense to back it up. Because if, if you get put in a bad situation, if you're UCLA and you're down 14 points and all of a sudden you're asking Dorian Thompson-Robinson to throw you out of the game, it's not going to go well. And that's why you need that defense so that you can build just a little lead early and then just hold on to that by dominating time of possession, by working your way down the field slowly and then getting a field goal out of it, maybe getting the touchdown out of it. Uh, I'll tell you, Saturday, UCLA getting all the touchdowns they wanted out of it. And then the defense backs it up. Um, This is a good football team. This isn't USC good, for sure. They're still young. They still make mistakes. They could come back to earth at any moment. Uh, It's less likely to happen at home, though. These last couple weeks, this defense has looked for real. This running game has looked totally for real. Um, We should cap off that Joshua Kelly stuff, though, by talking about the tangibles of what he did. 34 carries... 164 yards, four touchdowns. That uh, run I was talking about earlier turns out it was 24 yards. That was the longest run of the day. So it's, again, just this consistent grind it out. And they have a lot of guys, a lot of running backs who I was impressed with. They didn't put up the numbers they, this week that they uh, I, I would have expected after seeing them run. But they're the same thing. They're physical. They'll run guys over. Uh, that's what they want to do. They're either going to bounce off you or they're going to trample you, and you never know which one. This isn't like a spin-juke type of rushing team, uh, except for the quarterback, uh, which is always fun to watch. He he hasn't been running quite as much recently. He's been throwing the ball more. You, you see what he can do mostly in the pocket when he's evading guys in the pocket. And, again, it's, it's impressive. It's really impressive. Uh, but he can get downfield and make guys miss, too. That's what this team wants to do. It's it's starting to click now. This running game is going off now because of this offensive line. And if you've been watching the Buffs this season, which I'm I'm guessing you have been if you're listening to this podcast, then you know that the Buffs have struggled tackling. Uh and and that could be a big problem this week if they can't bring down Joshua Kelly. And I wouldn't be surprised if they can't bring down Joshua Kelly. Uh so yeah, that's that's kind of the story here. Not quite as worried about the passing game as you are about trying to stop trying to stop this running game that is turning out to be maybe the best 
right up there with the best in the Pac-12. I mean, Oregon up there too. Um, that's that's going to be the challenge for this defense. The challenge for the offense, on the other hand, is in in case you hadn't heard, uh, scoring points on the defense because this defense has been really good recently time of possession equally a factor of how well this defense has played like i said they uh they forced that turnover early um to to set up the first touchdown it turns out actually that ucla lost the turnover margin 3-1 there and uh, the reason was, first of all, I think Kelly fumbled once, but also the quarterback, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. It's always hard to get his names in the right order. Uh, he fumbled twice and lost both. He is still a young guy. I am not all the way bought in on him. Had a couple decent throws. Had a couple you're like, oh my goodness, you're a sophomore. You look like you're in high school. Um, that's that's one of the other things that was really holding them back early on this season, and that's one of the big opportunities for Colorado, a, a defense that has really been strong as, at playmaking. Um, worth noting that there is a weakness, after I talked them up that much, uh, that there is a weakness, that there's a reason this team is 3-5. and five. Um, Okay, back to the defense, though. Uh, shut down, shut down Eno Benjamin, who going into the season was... I think I think he was my favorite back in the conference. Um, kind of changing now as we get to watch them play more. Obviously, Joshua Kelly actually is now, but we're going to keep that on the DL until after the game. Um, Eno Benjamin picks up 46 yards. Uh, average this season was about double that. There you go. Uh, that's what they do to a good running back. It That's the other kind of interesting thing about this team is that they're kind of built in the trenches. You know, they have talent too. People forget because UCLA has been losing so much. They're still strong recruiters. They still have the four-star, five-star guys on this team. It's just that they really haven't known what to do with all of them. And a lot of them are pretty young. Um, yeah, what else do we want to talk about? 42-10, the time of possession was huge. It all does kind of start up front for them. Um, and, and the way that matchup changes is that you know, Colorado's kind of been building off that running game the last couple weeks. Uh, it's been Alex Fontenot, who's kind of been the lead guy. I think LaVisca probably took over that role this week, but prior to this week, a lot of Alex Fontenot kind of setting the tone for everything. Uh, probably going to have to change. Maybe, and, and this would be great if it happens, this CU offensive line can open up some holes against a good running defense. All of a sudden, if you're running the ball on UCLA, you feel great. Because you're doing what they want you to not be able to do. They want to dominate time of possession, and that means they run the ball, and you have to throw the ball. That means that you have the chance of running 35 seconds off the clock, throwing three incomplete passes, and punting the ball back to them so they can chew up another five, six, eight minutes off the clock. That's what they really want to do. Uh, if you can run the ball, keep them on their toes. And it's kind of like what Colorado did with USC last week, playing their style of football. They uh, they they went kind of toe-to-toe with that air raid offense, throwing the ball on the other side, too. They were running the ball well, but it was mostly a passing attack. You look at the, the time of possession on each of their drives, and there were a couple that were four-minute drives, but most of them were like two minutes, two and a half minutes, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and, and Colorado hung with them. They beat USC at their own game and then blew it at the end. They, they stuck with them so, so far, and... 
And that's that might be what they try to do here. Try to play their game, and if it doesn't work, then all of a sudden you go to your strengths. The passing game. Throw the ball to LaVisca. Throw the ball KD. Throw the ball to a Tony Brown. Throw the ball to Dimitri Stanley. So many options, but the risk is there that all of a sudden you're off the field in 30 seconds, a minute, minute and a half, and you're giving the ball back to them so that they can eat up the clock. Uh, early lead would be huge. That starts with forcing early turnovers. Got to win the turnover margin. Um, UCLA plays very disciplined. That's that's important when you are the type of offense that they are, trying to run the ball. Uh, all of a sudden, when your game plan is, I'm going to pick up four yards every play, and then we're going to have 12 in every three plays, which is more than enough for a first down. If, if you take a five-yard penalty, all of a sudden you're looking at seven yards. And, and so you either try to pick up those extra yards in the running game or you have to throw the football and that's not something that they want to do they didn't get their first penalty called until i think 41 seconds left in the third quarter uh, last week against arizona state um colorado struggled with penalties uh, so that's another thing to really watch for um that's probably good we're going pretty long on this podcast and i do think we have some comments um before we get to those comments, I want to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Uh, so, CBD enriched coffee changes lives. Uh, first of all, it'll get you all caffeinated up like I like. And second of all, it will help you with whatever other problems that you have in your life, um, at least physically. And so, they'll fix arthritis, back pain decrease anxiety which is chemicals in your brain so i think that that counts as physical uh i'm going to uh cbd is not thc which is psychoactive cbd is not psychoactive it's just the part of the plant that doesn't get you high but fixes all your problems um it's the reason that people like the other part so much maybe i'm not sure uh but it's good coffee it helps you in a bunch of different ways uh, if, if you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, then you can get 20, uh, 20% off and they'll ship it straight to your door. It's a great deal. Uh, even if you're not interested in the CBD part, get it because it's good coffee. Okay. Uh, time to go through these comments. And they're loading. Uh, got it. Okay. Uh, three comments today. First one comes in from bbector22. Definitely think Landman is coming back. I think he would be a seventh round pick this year, if at all. To me, his ceiling is Leighton Vanderesh. Okay, I, I think I like that. But definitely needs another year for that. Definitely agree there. Although it might just be the cowboy collar that spurs that comparison. Yes. If if you're a linebacker without a neck roll, what are you even doing? Uh, first of all, you might be like covering receivers, like because it's really hard to do that with those on. I don't I don't know if that's like a reason why. It might just be like another thing that goes along with being that type of linebacker that you want the neck pad, the neck roll, whatever you call it, cowboy collar. Uh Yeah. Um I wonder if those two things are related. I think they're definitely correlated, but is one the cause of the other? I don't know. Somebody do the science. Get back to me. Uh, Nate Landman, though, yeah, he's uh, he's he's looking at being a day three guy if he gets drafted. Uh, the weird thing here is that, you know, NB if you're if you're NCAA player trying to get into the NBA, you can sign an agent. 
and work with your agent through the draft process and then back out before the draft and go back and play college basketball. That's massive because you get somebody who can tell you what your value is, somebody who's on the phone with NBA GMs saying, here's where we think he'd be drafted if he were to be drafted. Uh, Here's what he needs to improve upon. And so at the very least, you're coming back with some recommendations for next year, what you need to get better. I think for Nate, a lot of those are very clear. Uh, it starts with, can can he add just a tiny bit of speed? And can he develop his cover senses? If he can do those two things, then yeah, he's going to be an NFL guy. Um, without that, I don't know what the read is on him. Uh, that's one of the things I, th- I think I've mentioned here is that back in Montana, we used to be able to watch the whole practice and we'd be down on the field and there'd be NFL scouts wandering around. And so I go up to him and be like, hey, uh, I'm Henry. Uh, I cover the team. I, I'm out at practice every day. I see every practice. I also have class with some of the guys. I have friends who have class with some of the guys. If there's anything I can do, any questions you have for me, just let me know. And they give me their card. And so we'd be in touch, and all of a sudden, I could be just a tiny bit plugged in to what the scouts are saying about guys by giving them some of my information. Uh, that was super nice and convenient, but now we don't get to be on the field during practice with the scouts, and so it's really hard to develop those same relationships so i haven't heard anything about nate landman i have no insight insight into where nfl teams think that he should be drafted if they think he should be drafted be nice if he had the chance to grab an agent for a couple months after the draft and let them do that work for him see if they still have a third fourth round grade on him if any team still thinks that he'd be worthy of that pick or if they think that he's played himself uh, maybe even out of the draft, which would be too bad because he is a very talented guy, a smart guy too, uh, somebody who you would trust to be in the middle of your defense. Uh, and uh, I, I do agree that he probably should come back next year. Uh, I don't think that at this point there's much of a chance he leaves. I don't, th- I, I would guess at least, but again, we got to see it. We got to see what he can do. Uh, I wonder if he's graduating. I wonder if he's a potential grad transfer. I know that it would be tough to see him leave and put on another jersey, but if this is a scheme that doesn't fit him perfectly, maybe moving to a school that does fit him better might make more sense. Purely, purely speculation idea just jumped in my head right now, but he might be a grad transfer type of guy. Uh, Okay, continued on with... uh, yeah, B. Bechter, yep. Uh, curious your thoughts on the Post article suggesting Visca should come back too. They have a scout quoted saying he would be a second or third round pick this year because of the deep wide receiver class and injury concerns. See, I wish that I had that. I guess I could still talk to some of the old ones. But the way they, they all like divide up the country, everybody has different regions that they uh, follow. So maybe Montana actually is the same as Colorado. And maybe those same guys, I haven't seen any of them around though. Maybe some of those guys still have Colorado takes. Um but yeah, uh, I think he should probably go get himself paid, but selfishly would love to have him back. Okay, yeah. I, I, falling to the second or third round, I, falling to the third round, no. If if you're getting LaVisca Chenault in the third round, that, that I mean, that's the steal of the draft right there. We all know what he can do. These injury problems aren't related, and that's what's always so scary to me is if, you know, you have a shoulder that's dinged up and, and it doesn't get any better. That'd be a problem. But for him being who he is, just having these little things come up, I'm not worried about it. If, if you're worried about it, then all of a sudden at the NFL level, you don't put him in the wildcat. You, you don't use him as, quite as much in the screen game. You let him play more as a true receiver, which we know he's really good at. And maybe you throw these little quirks in at, at points instead of relying on them so much. Avoid the hits. You know what? You could tell him, 
get out of bounds just occasionally. And who knows if he'd listen. He doesn't seem like the type of guy who would be interested in doing that. But there are ways to avoid the injury. I mean, the problem is he just takes so many hits. And there are ways to scheme against that. Uh, he should go to the draft. Maybe not if he's a mock to the third round. If if he thinks he's a if he thinks he's a first or second round pick, you just go do it. You go get your money. You're happy with it. But if if you wind up being a third round guy and the difference is millions of dollars guaranteed, if you can have a good season, no doubt in my mind that he can have a big season next year. Especially because he's a big uh, receiver, and big receivers are typically the guys that young quarterbacks rely on. So if it is Brendan Lewis coming back. I, I think that that could really, or not coming back, but coming to town as the true freshman taking over, uh, I, I think that that could benefit LaVisca. You, you think back to the Cowboys with Dak Prescott when he had that breakout rookie season that nobody expected, in part because he had Des Bryant and Jason Witten to throw the ball to. I, I think that a guy like Katie Nixon, Dimitri Stanley, those are tougher receivers to use. You have to be a good quarterback to figure out how to get them the ball. Uh, note on that, Darren Chivarini did say today that they're going to try to get the ball into the Katie's hands more. Um, and that's part of the reason they played more in the slot last week, and we can expect to see more of that going forward. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that LaVisca probably is in line for a big year because we know he has the talent odds of this whole injury string happening again slim to say the very least uh moving on uh bbector 22 also says on the nil ruling one important caveat on the ruling is the disclaimer at the end quote in a manner that is consistent with the collegiate model end quote uh it will be interesting to see how this is defined and what the hell this even means yep and that's what i let off with today is like sure Give give the NCAA props for doing the right thing, and let's really hope that this actually is the right thing they're trying to do instead of getting some good press early and having overly stringent regulations. Um, we'll see what exactly all of those little things that they threw in there meant, but can still hope that they're just saying, you know what, we're going to cap it. We're going to have you give some back to the school, and it's going to be an easy solution. Everybody's in better shape. Uh Especially, I mean, it feels like it's not going to help the fans at all, but I'd feel better knowing that the, the people I'm watching play football aren't risking going hungry. They have something to get back to their families, that their families need it, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't know. If you go to Burger King, let's not even talk about Burger King. Ooh, Popeye's chicken sandwich back Sunday. Let's talk about Popeye's. You go to Popeye's and the person making your... Popeye's chicken sandwich is uh, getting paid more. Do you feel better about it? I don't know. I don't know. We can think about that later. Uh, SMCPVALU, value you haven't commented in a while, uh, said, Henry, you told us in the previous podcast you would talk basketball. Did I miss it? No, you didn't miss it, but you probably missed me saying that we're actually going to do that Thursday night when I finally get a chance to talk with... Ben Girding on this podcast, BSN Buffs intern. He's our basketball guy. I mean, I'll be doing a bunch of basketball stuff too, but I want to hear his takes. He's the one who's writing the season preview for us, which hopefully should be up here uh, sometime pretty soon. And uh, we're going to talk all about it tomorrow night when I get a chance to go up to Boulder, when our schedules are not messes and the roads aren't messes either. That's it for today. Um, feel like we covered a lot of stuff 
Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If there's anything you want me to talk about, always uh, feel free to throw a comment in the comment section and I'll read it. I'll give my takes on it. I'll tell you if you're wrong or if you're right. Maybe we need to be more black and white. I could just say like, no, nah, you're dumb. You're smart. Um, I don't know. could be fun. Fun things we can do. Lots of fun things going out at DNVR. So you should definitely uh, become a member. We appreciate you. You can read the story I wrote today. Um, I have like 3,500 words of stuff up on the website just from the last few days because so much is going on. Uh, we're going to have basketball previews. Got to have football game previews here pretty quick. It's crazy how quickly these weeks fly by and then the months and then the seasons. Uh, too bad that this one went the way it did. Okay. Uh, actually getting out of here now. Use the promo code Hank though. H-A-N-K and I'll get points based on how big your membership is. And if I get enough points, I get a free year of Breckenridge beer. And I'm super excited to hang this up and go try that holiday. So I'm going to do that now. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Uh, yep. Uh, bye. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Man, I swear, I think. Swag. My Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180. Competence and see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the last. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. Green. Throwing blows, knocking down team after I team. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Get a bus with my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado sway. Have you ever seen a ram? Nine boat of Colorado. Buffalo is what I am. All the teams come and follow. When I start, hit the field. The opposing crowd swallow. Cause they know I'm about to kill. He gon' feel that tomorrow. Whole team full of water. Got me feeling tribal, Big 12, here we come. We ain't worried about arrival. If you want to come and get it, we'll wait for your arrival. When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival. Why you make it, why you make it, yeah, you better bring your Bible. Quick, big, blind side, flatline, no revival. Get them bust, get them bust, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play. Just how to act, and when I'm in it, go. You know I'm acting bad.
Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag.